Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, owner and user of Mint Mobile. And I am recording this message on my phone. I'm literally on my Mint phone. Why? Because fancy recording studios cost money. And if we spent money on things like that, we couldn't offer you screaming deals. Like if you sign up now for three months, you get three months free on every one of your plans, even unlimited. Visit mintmobile.com slash switch. Limited time, new customer offer. Activate within 45 days. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. Unlimited customers using more than 40 gigabytes per month will experience lower speeds. Video streams at 480p. See mintmobile.com for details. This is My Kind of Weird, a podcast where two people swap and pitch three kinds of media, something watchable, something readable, and something listenable, to see if each person says at the end of the pod, that's my kind of weird. I'm your host, Anthony Pollock, and joining me today is Aussie cartoonist who loves the morbid things in life, Mr. Tim Burden. Hey, Anthony, how's it going? Good, thanks, Tim. Are you ready to get weird with me? Uh... Sure, 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 yep. (laughs) Always interesting responses to that question. Tim, present your something watchable. My something watchable is Aeon Flux. The dream to awaken our world. You're out of control. I take control. Whose side are you on? I take no side. You're skating the edge. I am the edge. What you truly want, only I can give. You can't give it, can't even buy it, and you just don't get it. And that's the cartoon from the 90s, the MTV one, not the movie starring Charlize Theron, just to be clear. Oh, oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) I watched the wrong thing. Did you really? (laughs) You did. Come on, I warned you. Uh, I just, uh, that is to say I watched it many, many years ago and I just figured it would, don't all good American anime adaptations, aren't they a good version? Generally terrible. Yeah. Yeah, um, they keep talking about Akira and I'm like, don't do it, don't do it. Yeah, if you're going to do it, get the guys that uh, did Train to Busan or something like that, get get some some people who are good at what they do. Yeah. Don't get the Americans. Um, I still don't know why Scarlett Johansson was in Ghost, Ghost in the Shell, but, hey, mm. that's me. Well, Let's it, talk Aeon Flux. Yeah, totally. So this is like my favourite thing ever, probably my favourite TV show, although I've probably got 10 shows I say, oh, that's my favourite show ever, but Aeon Flux is just, it's such a perfect balance of weird, odd, like just odd visuals, great like visual storytelling and i just uh just it blew me away when i saw it for the first time and i i did a rewatch like recently and it still still holds up for me how is it different compared to the film uh it's the the movie's so so boring compared to it's like it's just really plain they they plucked all the weird alien qualities from it like you know you get all these bizarre details like there's like there's alien creatures in the cartoon, but there's there's nothing like that in the in the movie. It's just sort of a boring utopian no. society. Yeah, I feel like uh, they tried to copy the the Matrix and Ghost in the Shell a little bit, or yeah. I, I, I don't know what what happened there. But like you know, there's a there's a sequence in the cartoon where she she runs out of like eggs, like she doesn't have any eggs to to make breakfast, so she sneaks onto this like alien ship and like grabs like <laughs> eggs from this alien like nest and it's just it's really weird and surreal and it's just like um and then one of the aliens like sees her and and she has to like jump jump through this like obstacle course to get out but then um yeah, yeah. spoiler right she she gets caught and she dies but that's the that's the nature <laughs> of aeon flux man i love i love weird anime yeah um i'm i'm watching cowboy bebop at the moment for the first time oh for the first and time the, yeah yeah, yeah, for the very first time. I know it's uh, it's just one of those ones that just have never ticked off my bucket list. It's um, I'm a big sci-fi fan and everyone that knows me who knows I like a little bit of anime has always been like, check out Cowboy Bebop. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll get around to it. Um, that Ed character, oh, yeah. what the fuck with that character? Um, 
But uh, it's that's lots of fun. I just love good weird anime. Um, mm. It's the it's the sort of the the dry and dull stuff, which is clearly tapping into some kind of weird child fetish shit that I find myself avoiding. But mm. um, uh, there's some really good stuff out there. Yeah, I'm trying to delve more into like the the stuff from the '90s because that's when I sort of started noticing mm. anime so i'm like i'm going back all to these um these 90s animes that i i skipped at the time and now i'm like no i kind of like that old sort of gritty hand animated uh, uh look and i um yeah just mm. trying to find what i can um trying to get what i can find ninja scroll oh yeah is it a recommendation that was one of the uh, first. because i feel like that's yeah <laughs> i feel like every uh how old are you, how old are you by the way you late thirties like myself? Yeah, or? late thirties. I feel like every sort of thirteen, fourteen, fifteen year old when they discovered anime or when they sort of start to move past Dragon Ball Z, they just, or, and you know Pokemon, God forbid, they <laughs> they they start to seek out different things and they saw like an they saw Ninja Scroll and just because it was R rated, it's just like oh okay R rated oh and there's boobs on the cover okay let's put this on mm. so um. <laughs> my, my first anime was um, probably like a, a leader battle angel one of my friends like brought it into school for show and tell and it was like it was the bit where the, the dog gets chopped in half and all the guts go everywhere and everyone's like yeah it was a yeah. it's a great moment <laughs> so my something watchable takes us into the depths of space and in space no one can hear you scream because that's right, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about Alien. It doesn't look like an SOS. It looks like a warning. Seems to have life. Wait a minute, there's movement. I'm surprised this isn't isn't mine. Yeah, <laughs> I kind of I felt like I had to beat someone to it. And mm. when uh, when I checked out your art style, and you know when we've been talking on Instagram and such, I thought this is definitely a horror guy. So it's a good time to break out Alien. Mm. Um, what can we say about Alien? I mean, there's so much that. There's so much that can be said, but for me, Alien is just there's two well, there's two two films that are just the penultimate uh, of sci-fi horror, and that is Alien, and uh, that is also the thing. Alien oh, yeah. is it it just taps into so many different genres of horror without even realizing it, and it does it so subtly that. Uh, not even the viewers read it. I think a lot of people don't really dis- discuss what type of genres of horror that this explores. I mean, with the the sort of the, I guess, the isolationist aspect of horror to the when the crew of the Nostromo go down onto the planet and it's it's almost like a almost like a creepy graveyard slash almost a haunted house kind of aspect of horror right there to the returning back to the uh the uh the space spaceship the Nostromo with uh, John Hurt's character with a face hugger on him and then the alien erupting from the chest and then there's a bit of a game of cat and mouse and abduction so there's just so many great uh, yeah. aspects of horror in alien there's there's uh i i feel like because it's it, it because it's so dark and it's so uh, like back in those days, we had what did we have? We had uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. We had uh, Friday the Thirteenth. But um, I guess we didn't really have uh, anything like this at all. Then there's uh, also the aspect of you know H.R. Giger's artwork as well. Hmm. So it's it's uh, just a fantastic, just a fantastic film. Going it back to um... scares the absolute crap out of you. Going back to, um, did we have anything like it? Ridley Scott was influenced by 2001, A Space Odyssey, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So he's basically just mm. grabbed those two things and smashed them together. Also, there's um, Planet, of, Planet of the Vampires. I think he borrowed a lot from that. I think that's like a movie from like the 50s 
um sort of like you know yeah. those one of those retro sci-fi movies the the whole space jockey giant alien thing i think was borrowed from that movie but i mean it's influenced by a lot yeah. of things i mean fast forward to now i probably could have done without knowing who the engineers were i, I didn't need to i i'm i'm gonna I, I like to separate it in my head. I, I still think that big space jockey <laughs> is a different creature to the engineer yeah. people. Because if you look at the details in the original Alien movie, that thing has teeth and eyes and a skull. It's like yeah. it's definitely yeah. not a helmet. It looks completely different. I think that they're yeah. maybe that's their gods or something. Like they they're trying to replicate the space jockey's technology because it's so much more biological in the original Alien movie. It's so much more HR giggery. You know, it's just it, it, it's yeah. separate in my head. Hundred percent. It just somehow manages to tap into the fear of uh, the human psyche um, in ways that few other films have. I think the closest other film which does, but more to a sort of comedic effect, is in the uh, earlier on in the seventies. There was this uh, film called Galaxy of Terror, oh, which yeah. was just has just absolute nonsense. <laughs> I think that was um that's actually James Cameron's one of his earlier movies. He's not credited yeah. as the director, but he he was very involved in that. It was almost like his yeah. his little demo for his uh, alien project. movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, probably. Probably. It was mm. just absolute nonsense. And uh, you know, folks, if you want to see a uh giant worm that somehow has a penis, go mm. watch that film. It it's got some it's got some cool imagery though, aside from the, the that, that specific scene, but it does have some cool mm. shots, very reminiscent of, of Alien. What I really liked about Alien is sort of basic uh space physics, which is what I really like. For instance, mm. there's no, you don't hear any explosions outside of space so much. You, it sort of sticks to the explosions inside the spaceship. There's like that type of stuff is what I'm really very much a nerd for because space is a vacuum, right? right? It's not like your Star Trek and your Star Wars is where there's a you know an explosion and a shockwave. There wouldn't be a shockwave because you know it's out. You know, is there a, a shockwave at the so, end? I feel I feel like there is an explosion and shockwave, but it's not as it's not as as flashy or impactful as like Star Wars, where it's sort of in your face, instant, like boom and corny. It's a little bit more. Uh, I don't know. They they do approach it differently. Yeah, I think there there may be. I know there's definitely one in the second film when the nuke finally goes off and pretty much destroys the planet. Um, but that's on the planet. Um, don't know about that. But while we're talking about it as well, I really like the way that the past sort of viewed the future. So the uh, the way the, the Nostromo looks like with the giant almost supercomputer-ish looking uh, like terminals and that, all that type of stuff. And mm. I feel like if we were to go out into space, that's probably going to be the size of the computers. I don't think it's going to be, it's, you know, tablet-sized. Well, a, a lot of people point out how Prometheus, it looks more advanced than Alien, but I I kind of hold on to the idea that if you're going to have uh, truckers in space, you're going to have like more basic technology that is known to be more reliable because i mean the more moving parts you have in something the more complications are going to go wrong so i think with something like the nostromo you'd want like really you know like it's almost like a big truck engine with really basic parts and it needs to be reliable building on that as well isn't the wasn't the uh, the idea of of the person in charge of that expedition was like the like the vice president or something of the of uh, Wayland or something like that. When oh, you mean uh, Prometheus? That, funnily enough, was yeah in Prometheus. Yeah. Wasn't you so, would assume that the sleeker, if you know, there was that much money going into one spaceship. True. That's also another another way to kind of retcon it as well and say, oh well, he'd, he'd spend more money on his own ship, but it'd be like the Porsche of like spaceships <laughs> or something. <laughs> All right, Tim, present your something readable. My something readable is uh, the biological show by Al Columbia. What did you What did you think of this? I it was bizarre. I've got to be honest right, with you. Yeah, it was very bizarre. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I must say, I'm not a fan of the lettering. Um, yeah, but you know, give us your pitch. Um, 
I don't know. It's how do you, where do you start with a biological show? It's like, it's just <laughs> peering into a, a, like a really disturbed person's mind or something, even though Al Columbia is a really nice guy, but like, it's just, it, it's, it's got that whole like stranger danger, like creepiness kind of vibe where it's just like, it, it just, it feels like it's, it's almost taboo and, and creepy and just, it shouldn't exist. And somehow it's just compelling. It's just like, you you know, you're just morbidly curious about it. It's, but it's, so it's a whole bunch of um, short stories um, just floating through different, like trippy short stories. There's a couple that, that revol- uh, revolve around uh, Pim and Francie, um, this like uh, sort of brother and sister and, um, you know, like they're, they're running around causing trouble and stuff and vandalizing like a neighbor's lawn, but then they get like the brother gets infected by something and he sort of loses his mind a little and you and you see him sort of trip out through his perspective and it's a whole lot of like disturbing imagery. It's sort of, I, I guess, it's like, I guess the closest like film equivalent I can compare it to is like, like a David Lynch movie or something or... Um, <laughs> <laughs> or may, what's oh geez what's that movie called um is it the the, re, the reflective skin i think it, have you ever seen the reflective skin no no uh, i haven't i, I always, uh, I always I like the that. sound of it <laughs> it's a it's a weird movie from it was like came out in 1990 but it's um just this kind of odd sort of <sighs> It's got a bit of that isol- isolating kind of feel to it. it. It's almost like that that painting, um, Christina's World. I'm not sure if, if you know, but if you yeah. Google the painting Christina's World, it's got that sort of um, sort of soft loneliness in the in um, in the country, and it's and it's a bit haunting. So I, I'd say, yeah, there, there's something kind of haunting about uh, the biological show. It's um, I guess you'd call it a horror comic, but it's more like. It, comics are never going to like make you jump out of your seat but they can leave you feeling uh, a little disturbed or a little creeped out or unsettled it's probably the best descriptor yeah you see um you read reviews and of people that have read horror comics and they're just like oh i jumped jumped off my seat and i'm just like what are you doing like i don't know i've never been scared by a horror comic I've been creeped out mm. i mean i think and i've been uncomfortable um recently read ed piscor's red room oh, yeah. like as a collect as a as the first volume yeah. and that i must admit it kind of uh, uh made me feel uncomfortable not really the subject matter as much as his style of illustration is yeah. a little bit uncomfortable it's, it's very gritty looking it's very like it's, it is yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. It reminds me of like some, you know, if you ever look into like Japanese like manga and stuff, they they you know they delve into some really good horror stories. You know, every everyone always points to like uh, Jinji Ito and stuff, but um, there's some great. Yeah. They they've come up with um, there's a lot of great um, horror imagery if you check out Japanese comics. I saw a bit of Dadaist influences in this, yeah. or at least what I feel like may have been influenced by Dadaism a mm. bit. Um, was that just you or, or was that just me, sorry, or was it? did you see that as well? Or? In certain comics where um, we're talking biological show, right? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. In, um, in certain short stories I can definitely see that because he, he would go on sort of a, a rant and it would be almost like um, sort of like a poem almost and you'd sort of jump around to different different shots and different scenes. Um I'm just trying to pick up the book and try to see because I feel I'm, I'm trying to think. Did I see like a, a a urinal or am I just thinking of literally a Dada like piece? Because <laughs> um, whenever I think of Dada, I think of that that urinal and the and he just wrote on the urinal. Yeah. It's just like, yep, yeah, it's it's an artwork. It's just like, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. definitely. In- I also find it hard to sort of differentiate between Dadaism and uh, Grant Morrison's or most of Grant Morrison's work. Mm. <laughs> Especially I need to, Doom Patrol. <laughs> I need to delve into more Grant Morrison. I had like we had some Doom Patrol issues when I was a kid. Like my brothers had this pile of superhero comics, and oddly enough, Doom Patrol always stood out because it just wasn't like any of the other superhero comics. Um, mm. And I read like I've read like the first installment of the Invisibles, like the first volume or so, and I need to like reread it because people just swear by it, and I'm like, uh, it, it hasn't grabbed me completely, but I can understand this being pretty 
revolutionary for when it came out because i think the matrix borrowed a lot of ideas from it but um yeah i need I to mean, give it a reread the matrix the matrix did with sci-fi like what harry potter did with fantasy right very Just, true you know mm. constant plagiarism um <laughs> well I, I you know i i would rather get a matrix or a harry potter than get a really bad adaptation of something because i think maybe we should getting like because film is such a completely d- different medium we should be playing to the strengths of of film instead of like badly adapting uh, adapting sorry um like a a book and trying to squeeze in all this information it's like oh they skipped my favorite part in in you know in this in this from the book but maybe we should just be instead of getting an akira movie maybe we should get a movie that's inspired by akira like that that would intrigue me way more i remember seeing some discourse that apparently that um uh, what is it? Uh, was it a later Battle Angel? I haven't seen it yet, but some people are trying to say that that was influenced by Akira. Is that correct? Or? No, it's it's based on a, a comic, uh, a manga, um, and James Cameron's had the rights for it for like a decade or two, and then it finally came out. Yeah, uh, was it 2017 or, or whenever? I didn't mind it. It's it's I, I loved it when it first came out, but on rewatches, I'm just like, it's solid. It's a really solid movie. I uh, I wouldn't mind yeah. seeing more more of it. I'd, I'd like to see a sequel. Yeah, no, that's good. The I, I prefer those films where there's uh, re sorry rewatch um, ability. Um, uh, you know, if it's just outstanding, uh, you know, I just think of Tenant when I think of this. That's just visually amazing. But I just don't see any I, reason why I would go watch it again. I sat I, uh, through ten minutes of uh, Tenant and I was done. I was just like, no, I'm not doing this. Sorry, Christopher Nolan, I'm not doing this. But I, I'm not. I don't. Right. I don't praise Christopher Nolan as as most people. I think. Um, yeah. Like I like the Batman movies; they're all pretty cool. But I I thought like maybe yeah. the Dark Knight is when he stopped being perfect. Even though the Dark Knight's a great movie, but I think that's when he stopped being perfect in my mind. I think all his movies before then were like very methodical and very well thought out. But then I thought. I just think it's he started cracking during the Dark Knight. That's all. Yeah, so I, I love um, the yeah. Prestige. I think that's amazing. That's probably my favorite yeah. by him. So my something readable is Borrowed Time, which is a three issue comic book series. But for the purpose of this, we'll just talk about the first issue, written by Tyrone Long. And he's actually a listener of the podcast. He sent me his comic about two three weeks ago. He said, hey, I think you'll like this. And um, then I said to him, hey, I'm actually going to talk about it. So by Tyrone, it's uh, by a artist also called Spike Olakda, I think it's pronounced, um, which I probably just butchered that. And then uh, the colorist is Isai Manaki. It's a comic book that's pretty dark. There's a lot of discussions around and, I guess, narrative around suicide Depression definitely, not being happy with, I guess, one's sort of uh, state in one's own universe and the the idea that you should be allowed to let someone have their time when they feel it's their time to go. So I read it as it having a bit of, I guess, a view that we should let someone have their own ownership over whether they should, whether they feel it's their time to go or not. Um Whilst at the same time, it also has this uh, sort of B-plot which uh, starts and ends um, the comic, which is about this guy who is, I guess he's been sort of reconstituted by this sort of alien force, which is watching the Earth 4.5 billion years from now as it's sort of being uh, engulfed by uh, our sun, which is now a red sun. So, And then the the sort of the... uh, the very kind of beautiful way it finishes, uh, spoilers everyone, is the uh, the character who has had the overdose that this, I guess, this alien force has reconstituted. This alien is taken sort of the form from this, uh, this drug user's own mind and that form is, we assume, is like a, a loved one. And there's just kind of that kind of nice little, uh, I guess, uh, narrative of even though the world is about to die, like at at the end of the world, 
he just wants to be with the the person he loves. He just wants to be with her. He just wants to touch and hold her. So in that way, it kind of takes the the bleakness of the main plot of the story, which cover which I'm not going to go into, which goes into a lot of uh, sort of dark stuff, and kind of ties it off quite neatly. There's another two issues after it, of course, but I felt like this could have been a standalone and I would have been pretty happy with it. Um, I, I, I'm not sure. You said um, Tyrone's the, the writer? Yeah. Yeah, so he's a listener. I'll, I'll, uh, <laughs> I'm worried about offending him. But um, I, I thought the writing was really good. I thought the art was really good. I'm just not sure yeah. if they go together. That's the thing. Because like you said, yeah, it is right. essentially a lot of dialogue, a lot of characters talking, and yet yeah. the art is more sort of like that kind of like uh, McFarlane, uh, Jim Lee kind of superhero style sort of look look to it yeah and yeah. I'm, I'm not it's sure very it's early 90s dc almost mm, that, um yeah. yeah that's what it reminded me of but um it they're, they're both good like the artist is uh, i'll happily admit is a better artist than me and um and uh the writing was was good it was compelling it kept, it kept me going uh kept me reading but um yeah, I, I just thought maybe the the I could imagine it being more like a, like an indie comic, like you know something where the the artist would be like like Ethan Van Skyver or something, or like you know something fanographicsy. Um, or, or is it no no no? Is it Noah Van Skyver? There's two brothers. They both do comics, and one's like an indie guy, one's a superhero guy. So I'm probably mixing them up. Um, but or, or like um, there's this other artist I, I've recently discovered like uh josh uh simmons like you know just these sort of like a bit more of a cartoonier style i think could have probably suited something so heavily dialogue based and um mm-hmm. but the you know it's it's still it still kept me i still kept reading um i know we we're gonna just talk about the first issue but i, I read issues two and three and i really liked yeah. issue three actually issue three almost had me eating my words because the uh it starts to get it's still heavily dialogue based but it it actually takes advantage of the artist style towards the end of it and you see some like creepy horror visions and it's actually i was i was eating my words by the end of it going okay maybe the artist does uh suit this story but um i don't know i'm a, I'm a bit i'm a bit mixed whether it's it belongs or not but the artist is really good like the he has some really great imagery in uh issue three it's really cool yeah yeah i um I th- I like the I agree with that I I don't know if if you had a an artist who wasn't as talented I don't know how they would approach the like the end of the world motif mm. that starts and because it's very detailed it's the way the sun looks with almost like solar flares all over it it would be very hard to accomplish for a, just a standard independent artist um yeah how do you feel about the um the floating like collage style compositions you know when when a comic doesn't have your traditional panels and dividers and stuff like and it's mm. all the pictures sort of overlapping one another and you're kind of trying to figure out the order of things are you are you a fan of that or or does that sort of distract you i find that there needs to be an, an even balance doesn't there between like if you if there's a lot happening on the page artistically then you probably shouldn't have as much dialogue happening mm. um we're just talking in general here um i'm helping edit a comic or a couple of comics at the moment okay. so this is stuff that we're kind of going into um it i find it just has to it comes down to sort of like a happy medium medium of the two if you've got a lot happening on the page artistically, then maybe you shouldn't have as much happening uh, dialogue-wise. Mm. But then I can eat my words because I love Sandman yeah. so and, you know, Watchmen and all those greats. I feel like it's it's really in the eye of the beholder, but for me it's, it's just about, about finding that balance. Mm. And I would agree that in the first issue when the the nurse with the gun and sort of the jilted wife in clown makeup, uh, fuck knows why, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> are um, She's a juggler, sort of having right? that, yeah, <laughs> they're kind of having that uh, extremely long discussion. Hmm. Um, I felt like 
those too much. I would probably, if I was to look at it from an editing perspective, I would probably argue that during that discussion, because she talked, because there's a lot of story that's talked about mm. uh, as by the the nurse holding the gun about um, different really uh, people that have killed themselves, and you probably could have lost at least one of those examples, one of the stories she tells, hmm. because it gets to a point where it's kind of like, where is this going? Is hmm. this just a, because it does get to a probably two thirds in you kind of thinking, is this just a, a narrative on suicide? Yeah. And I was getting like, uh, are you going sorry. With this? I was no, getting, no, um, no, you're right. I was getting like Magnolia flashbacks. If you've ever seen the movie Magnolia, they, they do little like vignettes of like, um, people offing themselves in different way and stuff and they or they just tell little short stories and they they connect in little little weird ways and that's it's sort of what, what it reminded me of but um mm. yeah it, i guess the whole series is meant to be kind of an anthology isn't it because in the second issue you're following different characters again but it's still being told by the um the alien talking to the 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 guy the the guy's off himself or overdosed or or whatever but um um the second issue really leans into that whole like collage kind of style which it's not that it's hard to follow but it does i think distract you from what's going on the by the time they get to the third issue though they sort of abandon that and it's more traditional panels and i I think it worked a lot better but i I really like that third issue you should if you haven't read it you should really keep going uh i'll do exactly that now Present your something listenable. Uh, I, you know, I, I was leaning towards going, should I go full disturbing weird with all three of my picks or should I go sort of fun weird? <laughs> so, you know, Aeon Flux is fun weird to me. Biological show is disturbing weird. And then I went, let's go another disturbing weird for uh, listenable. And I went with uh, the album by this punk band called Daughters. And the album mm. is called You Won't Get What You Want. <laughs> What did you think of this? Um, so when when I was in my early 20s, I went through this huge IPACAC recordings and Hydrahead recordings and uh, phase. So I'm familiar with them, mm. but I must admit I have only listened uh, a handful of times mm. to Daughters. Um, but I believe that this album is where they went completely off brand and off kilter and went with a totally different style because mm. weren't they a bit math math core-ish uh yeah a little like it's it's a lot more punky and rocky the the previous album before this which is also a good album but this one's a lot more atmospheric compared to it it's a lot more like some of the some of the tracks aren't even like heavy or rock songs I, I discovered this. I uh, just it was on Spotify. I saw the album cover to this, and I'm like, I, I, sometimes I see an album cover. And I'm like, I wonder if it sounds like what it looks like. I just I have this weird sort of connect. Like I'm like, oh, that is a disturbing looking album cover. I wonder if it's going to be disturbing music because I, I like listening to creepy odd music at times. Like, um, yeah, I'll, I'll get into like Sano and, and Godspeed You Black Emperor and stuff, and you know, it, it just looked like oh, this is going to be a weird arty like you know atmospheric kind of album or is this going to be completely different and they've sort of misled me and i I listened to the first track um it was city song which isn't even one of my favorite songs on the album but it already just establishes the tone and it's just like okay i'm in for a creepy time and it just it i think the first time i went through the whole thing it probably gave me like anxiety it just made me anxious and it was just i don't know it's just it has such an oppressive uh creepy atmosphere and um you know like uh, you go to track two uh long long roads uh, long road no turns and it, it sounds like you're being chased through the darkness that's how i'd describe that song 
it's just you're being chased <laughs> by something and you're just running for your life um nice. the, the third track scene in the wait i th- i i don't uh, this is a bit weird but if you've ever seen those like um those fo- uh those evidence photos of um of uh what's that what's that murderer who tried to make zombies out of people um someone made a comic about him recently who am i thinking of uh Dalma, uh, Jeffrey Dalma. If you see, oh, yeah, Jeffrey Dalma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some like crime scene photos, and like I just I get that those visuals of those horrible photos of his, you know, his acts and stuff, and I get that in my head when I listen to that song, and uh, it's just it's I don't know, it's a, it's a a really disturbing album if you want to like delve into it. Um, like the song less less sex that reminds me of that uncle album uh war stories which is an, another great album i was tempted to pick that um then the reason they hate me is a really i think that's meant to be the single it's pretty catchy but the the last yeah. song guest house is just it wasn't my favorite song at first but it's slowly i think become number one it's just really in your face at first and then it just breaks out into like it just gets more and more intense and then it just it, it ends in like an orchestra like just string string music and it just gets really pretty at the end it's just and and then it's just over and you're just like what what did i just listen to it's it's just it's a journey it's it's a great album nice nice uh my something listenable is gore by deftones You and I have spoken on Instagram about my love of this album, and yeah. you're not convinced. So, um, well, the, well, you like it, but not as much as other Deftones albums, I the, believe. Deftones are like literally my favorite band. They have been since high school. Um, but the Gore isn't a bad album. It's just my least favorite by them. I think it, it starts really strong. Um, I yeah. think it meanders in the middle of the album, and then it finishes relatively strong. But it's just, yeah. I think the whole album is missing an element. And I, I do believe the guitarist, uh, Steph Carpenter, he, he was having trouble with his guitar and he just wasn't as present as he could have been. So I think Chino and and I think Sergio's the the bass player. Um, I think they kind of took a lot of the, the writing leads. And I think a lot of fans tend to complain about the mix of this album because it isn't... Uh, it is a, it feels a bit tinny if i don't know if tinny's right word, but you know there's there's one moment where uh you hear the drummer like a he hits the the tom the tom drum and it's literally a buzz like it's almost like they didn't record it properly and you get like this buzz from it but i don't some people i guess are a fan of the way it's recorded and I, I know there's different ways to produce things so like you know maybe i'm wrong but so the meandering in the middle and the finishing and starting strong, that's what I feel like a Deftones album should be like. Um, there's a lot of their albums like previous to releasing Gore, which I feel are just just lost for me. Really? Um, there's, yeah, there's just a lot of albums after. Um, uh, like I find there's, they, there's albums where they have – like Saturday Night Wrist, there's uh, there's good tracks on there, mm. but as an album, it doesn't feel as much like a journey for me. Mm. When I listen to an album, I should feel that I need and want to listen to it the whole way through. Mm. I don't like an album which feels incomplete or where the songs feel like they've been added haphazardly mm. and it doesn't feel as a... What I'm basically trying to say, Tim, is I'm a huge concept albums fan. Yeah. So, when, so when I um, find an album where I don't feel like the songs fit, I am not a fan of that album. Like the biggest example I can use is I'm a huge Tool fan mm. and the most recent Tool album is 
very weak in comparison. It sounded like a lateralis B-sides. It's just not a fun, it's not tall, not the, not the tool I'm, I'm used to hearing. So I, I thought the same thing about 10,000 days, but that's actually grown on me since, since it first came out. But um, yeah, I think what saves that is it has a lot of really rock tracks, which I think saves it. And then it still has that sort of ambient, you know, what, ambient wankery that they sort of delve into which is I, I, which you I like them. the ambient wankery sometimes i think that's what the latest <laughs> album is missing is that kind of weird stuff like that they'd put on like yeah. you know like a, a german recipe for what was it like chocolate cake or something and it, but it sounds like a, a nazi rally and it's just like I, I i just i like the weird stuff that they put in between in between songs it's just yeah i think the latest one's missing that yeah yeah agreed <laughs> All right, uh, so let's do the verdicts. So, Tim, out of my something weirds, what did you? What were your picks? What did you? Did you like? Did you think any of those were your kind of weird? Uh, Alien is definitely my kind of weird because that is my favorite movie of all time. Um, I could keep talking about it and do a TED talk if you like, but um, we'll <laughs> maybe I'll just stop. I'll just start my own podcast and it'll just be what I think about Alien, and I'll just go go for years. Just just the first movie, yeah. I could talk about it, the whole series, but um I'm a huge fan of Alien, so yeah, that's I don't know. What do you what do you call that? Ten out of ten, two thumbs up. Yeah, of course. Love Alien. Yeah. Uh out of your picks, um I wasn't convinced with your something readable. It just wasn't quite my thing. Mm. Um I don't think I'll try and revisit it, but that's that's just me. That's you know. Um as far as your something listenable, I think I might add that to my to my playlist mm. um and so if i can get more into that than i am your something watchable is uh clearly i need to go watch the right thing so um yes yeah. yes <laughs> try and try and find the dvd um if you can because it, it it's an excellent it's like a three disc dvd and it has all the the little short films that they made before the proper show and, and it's got the whole the whole season it's it's an amazing dvd box set I'll do that. Mm. All right, everyone, we're going to go on a quick sponsor break. And when we come back, we're going to talk with Tim about Morbid Sheep Comics. Ladies, gentlemen, and androgynous life forms, are you sick of hairy balls? Do you find yourself scratching your nether regions as you trudge through the wastelands, yearning for a smooth and sultry happy sack? Are you longing for the days of a pair of rusty hedge clippers as you bathe in the festering fluids of a giraffe's radioactive corpse? Well, fellow Wastelanders, Kmart 3000 has the solution for you. Introducing the aptly named and definitely not radioactive bar of green light soap. Ideal for almost any situation. The green light soap not only removes ball hair, it cleans you and leaves you feeling fresh at the same time. Greenlight soap is so good, we asked a group of Wastelanders to test it out who um, couldn't be here today. But trust me, they are fine. Everyone is fine. Um, The Greenlight soap is packed with a fun array of features which have to be seen to be believed. Side effects may include, but not limited to, tingling, rashes, blood-soaked spores, cancer, grower testicles even if you've never had one in the first place, crabs, no, not the STD ones, silly, the actual crabs, permanent shrinkage, mouse, cancer, leakage, extra nipple growth, belief in conspiracies, another but, bright glowing penis, cancer. Right now, Kmart 3000 is giving you the opportunity to try out your very own bar of green light soap at an embarrassingly low rate. Head to Kmart3000.com, if you can find the internet, and use the checkout code NOTPLUTO. That's Kmart3000.com, code not plutonium. Hurry now, folks. Why give your old lady a pubic fright when you can bathe in the pleasure of a green light? Pay no attention to the green glow when you scrub below. And now, back to your regular scheduled programming. All right, Tim. So you, I guess, publish under Morbid Sheep Comics, uh, self-publish. Um, and for those who are just listening and never checked out your work, the best way I could describe it is if Tim Burton had an ounce of some cartooning genius, if you will, he might come up with something like this. But how would you describe Morbid Sheep Comics to those who haven't seen your work? Um, I always do the same elevator pitch to everyone. I just say it is... Alice in Wonderland meets Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's basically 
little girl going through this creepy landscape it's it's like you know when you have the final girl in a movie and she's just sort of running around trying to survive and there's like you know there's no dialogue in that in those sort of scenes it's all visual storytelling so it's, it's a lot of that it's just visual storytelling and it's it's um telling horror through weird visuals and i and i also you know like I said, I'm big alien fans. I'm really influenced by the the weird aspects in Alien. You know, like when they go in the derelict spaceship and you just see all this weird Giga imagery. I love I love stuff that's unexplained where you just you, you go, what the hell is that thing? And you, and you know, there's a history to it. I, I love doing that stuff. Like I'll mm-hmm. I'll make characters up or I'll make these devices or machines up, and there's a logic to them that I know, but I I don't tell people. And maybe I'll let them sort of figure it out for themselves and and figure out things work and basically just try to creep them out. I think yours does that. With H.R. Giga's work, I think the one logic was everything has to be a clitoris or a vagina. Well, yes, of course. That's what his logic was. Yeah, (laughs) totally. (laughs) What did you – you're from – where are you from, Melbourne? Uh, I'm in Sydney at the moment, yeah. I live in Sydney. Sydney, I've been here since I was nine, yeah. How have you found – as Australia gets back into things, have you been to any cons to to get your work out there to new new fans? How have you found that experience? Well, I've had like three conventions since the um, since the pandemic started. Like we just had little bouts where it's like, oh, things are getting back to normal. So then they hold a, a convention, and yeah, I've had a, a table. I've done it like three times now. Um, the first one was at an Oz Comic Con last year and then there was a supernova and then another oz comic-con at the end of last year um and i'm hoping to yeah, do a few uh, more this year first one was um was that, was, that, was, that was the one where um they said there's no one from out of state coming in it's just you know this is what it is let's mm. see how we go it was meant to uh focus on creators i think it was like homegrown or something it had some subtitle where i was trying to focus on creators but um it, it was good. Um, I don't know. It's it's debatable. I mean, <laughs> could always do things better, but still, it's I it's a hard thing yeah. to pull off these conventions. It's there's a lot of moving parts. So yeah, but yeah. I got to meet a lot of great new like new fans and stuff, and it's it's awesome. Um, met a few people, um, and yeah, it's it's been great. I I really enjoy meeting people. It's exhausting, but I yeah love meeting new people and introducing uh, my work to them. I feel like with cartoonists, there's a certain type of comic fan who gets into that style. What do your fans look like? Um, goths and metalheads, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, as much. You'll, you'll get the odd person who, who likes that stuff, but doesn't, you know, it doesn't dress up accordingly. But something wrong with that. I mean, as long as you're <laughs> as long as you're goth and metal on the inside, that's that's all that matters. Uh, what are you working on at the moment? Um, so I've got a anthology that's coming out. I'm part of an anthology called Death Candy, and we've basically got a lot of um, artists who are influenced by, like, you know, Tim Burton and, and Al Columbia and, like, you know, Joan and Vasquez, those sort of black and white goth-like kind of cartoons, and we're sort of doing a, a whole bunch of short stories. Um, and I've got two short stories in the first issue that's coming out. We had a Kickstarter. Yeah. It went really well. So that's going to yep. be uh, sent out uh, um, relatively soon, I'm hoping. I think there was a slight delay just due to, you know, all the moving parts. But it's it's on its way. And I'm going to be in future issues. So I'm working on some short stories for that. I'm currently working on Chapter 5 of Misery Miss Muffet. Um, so I've, I've released a graphic novel which was the three um first three chapters and i did a little preview chapter so it's chapter four i've released as a, a little single issue so um that's available if people want to check it out or they can get the whole thing or they can just wait for the next uh graphic novel which will be chapters five uh four five and six but um yeah i'm really excited to show people this one because it's uh, the story's been sitting in my head for years and this is like uh finally piecing it together and i've just found the right balance for it so i'm i'm really keen to keen for people to see it i find that we're not really experiencing uh so many teething issues with getting like Aussie creators aren't finding as many teething issues with getting comics out there to people as our american counterparts what mm. with the paper shortage mm. What is your commentary on that? I 
I I don't have a comment on that. I don't know what to say about that. Um, yeah, if, it's bizarre, isn't it? Yeah, because um, was wasn't there a big issue with um, Diamond? Is it Diamond Publishing? They're the guys who do the whole um, DC and Marvel uh, printing, or, yeah. or they're the distributors or something. I, I'm I'm not. I, I don't keep tabs on the, on the whole mainstream mainstream comics like superhero stuff. Nothing against it. I just it's uh-huh. it's not my thing. I'm more of a graphic novel alternative kind of stuff is what I, I tend to gravitate towards. Nothing wrong with that. Where can people find you online and grab your, check out your work? Uh, you can find me on my Instagram. Uh, so my Instagram handles uh, Morbid Cheap Comics, um, at Morbid Cheap Comics. Um, I'll, I'll get a website up soonish because I need to put up a store. I've, I found people don't like just messaging me personally and going, can I get something? And I have to like just talk to them. <laughs> I think they just want a cold, uh, cold e-shop that they can just, Order something yeah. and yeah, not have to interact with me because uh, so while we're in, my friend, no one wants to talk to anyone. No, no. They just want to. I'll just, I'll, I'll just talk their ear off about Alien and Deftones and stuff, and they just, just I don't care. Leave me alone. Yeah, but um, <laughs> no, people, people are cool. Um, I, I don't mind chatting to people. Um, if they're if they're into the same stuff and they'll recommend stuff to me, and I'll recommend stuff to them. It's um, it's a fun cult, uh, cultural exchange, just like this. You know, uh, I, I like um recommending stuff to people all right that's all we've got time for today everyone uh so thanks for tuning in tim thanks for having uh thanks for being part of this and thanks for being part of the first episode in about eight months so i'm going to go check out some of your stuff and probably buy one of your comics awesome thanks for having me that's all right my friend and uh for now everyone stay weird and i'm gonna leave you all with some nice tones of whale mating calls see you later everyone or, or i can just keep screaming into the mic if you like and just you know <laughs> or we can do the ted talk about alien or i can make the whale sounds if you like just like let me try <laughs> of ads crashing your comedy podcast party good news ad free listening on amazon music is included with your prime membership just head to amazon.com slash ad free comedy to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads enjoy thousands of acast shows ad free for prime subscribers some shows may have ads